Holy fucking shit. BBC is not messing around. They took advantage of the England bank holiday and posted season five, episode two, just 24 hours after a record setting 3.7 million viewers watched Stephen Knight set things up on Sunday night. And man, it was a brilliant second episode. Welcome into By Order of the Peaky Blinders, a podcast breaking down every single episode of the 1920s family gang drama on Netflix and BBC. I'm your host, Daniel Gilman. And I'm Josh Levy. Welcome to Season 5, Episode 2, Instant Reaction. Oh man, I... Josh, Josh, was this the best non-finale of the entire series? Easily. Easily. It has to be. I think this was a top five episode of the show so far. And the season finales of those seasons, those those episode sixes, were easily could fill out the top five, top four. So this this episode had all the fill, Daniel. And once again, you could follow us anywhere you want on Facebook at facebook.com slash peaky podcast on Twitter at by order of peaky. We've had some fantastic feedback already of Everyone that's following on BBC, which is what we're doing this instant reaction for, Judy out in the UK says that you guys are hilarious, very worth a listen. These boys are really serious, knowledgeable fans. So we thank you, Judy, and everyone who has tuned in for our instant reaction. Obviously, things are a little tough with this back-to-back episode, so we're trying to turn this out for you right away, right after we watch, essentially just a stream of consciousness for us. And just off the bat, Josh, the first thing I noticed was the change in tone in this episode. Everything was a lot more melancholy. There was no red right hand by Nick Cave and the Bad Seeds to start it off. Instead, we got Anna Calvi's rendition of Poppy Pacify by the FKA Twigs. We see Tommy still on morphine and fuck, man, that scarecrow scene with the landmines. He is literally and figuratively walking through a minefield. I was so stressed the F out at this and I didn't know in the beginning if there was a different rendition of Red Right Hand, and I was really paying attention to it. So I was confused at the, what song was playing, and I was like, "This, we're in for a roller coaster ride when I saw that. But that scene, man, with the scarecrow and the mines, and... And Charlie. Oh, oh. And Charlie walking up. It was just, it was just a lot. And I, I, I told you I found it funny how they had a scarecrow up there, because I keep on remembering Killian Murphy as the Scarecrow and Batman, so I thought that was funny, but really, really great opening scene, and I just, I had no idea what was going to happen. It was one of those where I was, like, afraid to, like, watch the screen. I kept on turning away and, like, turning my volume down. I was expecting an explosion, something. I don't know. It was it was wild, man. This show has geared us as fans up to expect death at any minute, and I was so expecting Charlie to go, man. That was horrifying to watch. Throughout this episode, we get Michael reunionizing with his family. Michael's married to this uh, American named Gina. A ton of new characters. We've got the Billy Boys, who are clearly, by and far away, the antagonists of this season. The Razor Gang, who killed our guy, Bonnie Gold. Captain Swing from the IRA. She's another character. She had Michael at gunpoint. This episode, Josh, it's going to be impossible for us to do this in under an hour. We're going to try our best, but... God, I got so many things I want to talk about. May gets a reference by Oswald Mosley at one point. Ada is back to being an absolute badass. Tommy is going completely out of control. But at the end of the day, 
I feel like Michael kind of stole the show in this episode, even though we got a lot of uh, marital drama with Linda and Arthur and Lizzie and Tommy. And at the moment, is Lizzie, is Lizzie and Tommy done? Because at the end, we saw Lizzie kick him out. There are so many questions that I have that I need answered because this episode had me in knots and filled with question marks. So much going on left and freaking right, man. And it makes me confident that Stephen Knight is going to take this to the end in a perfect way because he's laying so many plot webs. So it was a perfect episode. And I, I just, my head is in so many different places. I, I feel like we could have a podcast for each like plot line in this episode. Like we could easily talk about each storyline in one hour full. So I'm excited to break it down, man. Let's get to it. No doubt about it. Obviously, uh, written by Stephen Knight, directed by Anthony Byrne. Byrne is directing this entire season and the next one. A 9.5 on IMDb, the highest rated episode of the series. Very, very warranted. Very warranted, in my so opinion. So let's, let's talk about the, uh, the main, you know, the A plot, which is, you know, these guys from Glasgow, these Billy boys, and, you know, Scotland gets in the mix. We talk about, you know, Mosley getting involved, trying to decide whether he's going to choose between the Irish or the Scottish. He makes that reference about, oh, you prefer Irish whiskey to scotch. That's a little reference that I missed my first watch, but caught it on the second time. And, I mean, the Billy boys, I thought they were going to kill Tommy. I kind of got confused there. Was that mind not active or was Tommy about to punch it and kill himself? I don't know. I was so confused there. I'm like, first of all, these things are like spiky. They have spikes. So like, what was he doing? Trying to punch it or if he, maybe he knows something. I mean, I don't know. I'm not a, a mine, uh, a mine expert. In, you're not, uh, you're not, a, you're not a mine reader. Yeah. 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 Good one. Good one. I like that. I like that. But I'm not some expert in uh, detonating uh, mines, so he had something planned. And when he, when he knew exactly where each one was placed and just started firing up with the machine gun, I was like, "God damn it, Tommy Shelby, you dog, you damn dog!" He is so damn smart and just diabolical and just knows what he's doing. I'm gonna take it as two episodes in a row. Our opening scene has Tommy nearly killing himself because the last one he shot the horse and then put the gun up to his head. I'm going to take it as Tommy was considering just punching it and, and just going, going down to hell, going up to heaven, wherever he was going to go. That's a good I, take. I, I love the scene uh, following it when Charlie is, is, is on, you know, in his, in his hands as they run away and he's going giddy up horsey, giddy up because we talked about Tommy referring to right. himself as a horse. And then Francis, who is quickly becoming my favorite, you know, sub character, the, uh, the maid or the, the, whatever you want to call it, you know, his, right. his first, his first lady in the house, she's telling him, didn't the doctor tell you not to drink after dark or until dark? And Tommy says, it's, it's pretty dark. I couldn't tell if she meant to stop smoking. I think it was the drinking because she saw the, the whiskey in his hand. Okay, because, I mean, the man's a chimney, a legitimate chimney. So uh, <laughs> I, maybe it's a reference to both. But anyways, yeah, I, I feel bad for Francis, man. She just... She's doing her job. She's, you know, she's always got her eyes set on the right things. And I just feel bad that she has to like endure and see all this because while I'm even watching Tommy, I'm like sick to my stomach now about Tommy. She's in love with Tommy though, because I don't know if you remember, but that little scene when Tatiana, the Russian little babe was running around and she said the first, the first, you know, servant that comes down is the one that's in love with you in the middle of the night. And Francis was that one. She's been by his side. She was invited to Christmas dinner in the last season by Tommy. Yeah. And so that was 
that was a cool little one. What was crazy is the papers that are left on the crucifixion, whether it's the Scarecrow or Bonnie Gold. The first one said, look down on earth and see the seeds you have sown. And then you see the mine. And the second one just said, by order of the Billy Boys. Mm-hmm. And that and that's the one that, that Abraham Gold threw at the feet of Tommy in the last scene to say, they killed him for you. And it's interesting because when we first met Bonnie Gold, was it last season? Tommy said to Arthur, we're going we're gonna to take this boy under our wing, but there's a good chance he's going to take a bullet for the Peaky Blinders. And that's exactly what he did. He took a bullet for the Peaky Blinders. I don't know why. He, he had a gun pointed at them after they shot his dad, and he just kind of watched them go, and then they took the gun from him, and then they beat him to death. It was That was a deep scene. And, and what's crazy about it, Josh, is that's not even like a top five scene in this episode. There's so much that happened, but you you were in the camp of why didn't he fight back? I mean, imagine you had... 10 dudes pointing guns at machine guns at you i mean you're kind of helpless at that point obviously he could have done something but you know that the second he went to put a fight he was taking a bullet to the dome which he ended up doing anyway so it's not like it would have mattered but that was crazy and seeing abraham gold kind of we haven't seen him in like a in a, in a helpless light and he was so helpless there and kind of seeing him emotional and not this like free-spirited kind of guy that was it was it kind of shook me to the core his only son and they were betrayed by someone and now we can get into the 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 b plot which is you know as strong as a b plot as we've ever had and that's going to introduce michael and him talking to these you know scottish guys on the boat when he got married to gina one of them was a witness they really just played michael like a fiddle on that on that ship headed towards you know europe from america they knew obviously they knew he was coming. They had someone be a witness. They buddied up with him. They told him they wanted to, you know, sell whiskey. And then everything turned. They tried to turn him against Tommy. Do you believe Michael? And do you think he is the black cat in Tommy's dream? I definitely believe him, for sure. I mean, in the last episode, I mistakenly uh, this is why I love these instant reactions because we don't know what's going on as opposed to like the rewatches. But I, I, I thought he was like going against Tommy with the whole, you know, Black Tuesday thing. Um, so I, I think he's telling the truth. And I think Finn Cole does a tremendous job of making us believe that. What a stud. He is, he is going to be one of the next big stars. And I think, I think he's, you know, he's, he's moved over to America. He's doing Animal Kingdom, a TNT show, which he is outstanding in, which is basically the American version. I've talked about it before, the American version of Peaky Blinders. And we even get a little nod to that because Michael admits to Tommy when they're sitting in the garrison that he did have thoughts of betraying. He had thoughts of taking the money and going to Hollywood to invest in the pictures. But of all people, Gina stopped him. Tommy interrupts him. Tommy not having any shit. Michael has a temper. This whole storyline has me torn because I love Michael Gray. And I, I'm starting to love Gina Gray, too. She is so smart. Every woman in this show gets brighter and brighter as we introduce them. Linda was a genius. Now we get Gina, who clearly has an edge for this business. Because when Michael started to curse out Tommy, Gina kind of grabbed him and said, Look at your cousin. He needs our help. He needs your help. So she, she settles Michael down. And then we find out that Gina's pregnant. So let's take a shot for every time someone gets fucking pregnant in this show. Jesus. Yeah. Gina's pregnant. Yeah. They're married. And uh, and Tommy had a weird line here, Josh. Do you understand this line? When they're sitting in the garrison and Tommy says, after, you know, him say after Tommy says, I believe you, Michael, I believe that you didn't turn me in. Tommy says, quote, Your unborn child has witnessed what you said 
and it will be born according to. And then he got interrupted by Michael saying, fuck you. What did he mean by that? I have no idea. I, w- I don't know. I-, I thought when he started that line, I thought he was talking about how he's going to like eventually like, you know, Gina's not safe. So watch, watch, watch your shit, watch your tone, because you don't talk about an unborn child. You know, he could have been like your eventually born child. So I don't, I don't know what he meant, but he kind of, I think it was like an intimidation tactic. The only thing I could see is maybe like, you know, if you lied to me, you're just lying, uh, you know, right to your death essentially. Cause like your unborn child knows that you lied. So if find out that you lied, your unborn child's done. And that is quite the threat from Tommy to a guy that he literally groomed. I know. Michael was, that's what frustrates me. Michael was the most loyal servant to Tommy. Even when Finn and Arthur and John were upset with Tommy, remember back in season three with the Russians, Michael was there. But but the, th- but the thing that I like, I'm so frustrated with with Michael is like, just like he got, he's got to, he's got to keep a cool, a common, cool, collected temper, man. He is like, he he's too triggered. And that's exactly what Tommy wants to do. He wants to trigger him. So you're playing into his hand by doing that, and Tommy knows that he plays the people's personalities. So I was a little frustrated when he was like, when he when he like cursed him out and was like, "Fuck you, Tom." And but it's Tommy's got away with words. So he's got that he's got that uh that boiled Shelby blood, man. And I mentioned Finn, so now we can get to his little. Let's call him the C plot. Who cares? It doesn't matter. There's like eight nine plots in this episode. Finn has grown up. He's got himself a little bitty of his own, very similar to how we saw Michael last episode with Gina laying on the ground. We see Finn blacked out at the garrison and this he's, hoe. He's getting married. He's getting married. Yeah, he wants to get married <laughs> to her and she loves the life. But Arthur says, find, or Tommy or Arthur says, find someone who doesn't like the life. Finn, Finn's got great hair. You know, I think he might win the episode with the flow today. And, uh, and, and you know, we talked a little Stud. bit before the episode before we started recording, Josh, and you are a big fan of Finn in this episode. He even gets that guy to start getting the Peaky Blinders into betting on soccer, football, however you want to call it. That was an interesting scene as well, the singer in the garrison. Love that scene. I love the step that Finn is taking. It's kind of like when you uh, you have like a rookie quarterback in the NFL and, you know, you're, and then you're like when, when he goes into the next year, you're like, will he take that next step? That's Finn. That's Finn. He's he's that guy that you have in your keeper league that you want to in your keeper fantasy league that you want to take the next step. But I I thought he matured so much in this episode. And usually we see Finn retreat and kind of you know take the shit given to him. But in that scene in the garrison when he's talking to Tommy, he's talking to Arthur, and he's he's asking him you know why you know what are you doing? We told you to stay out of the sporting. You know stop. You're running around bullets in your arm. You know we don't want that. And he. He says he finally the first moment says something back to Tommy and he goes, someone asked to, he goes, I'm the brother you never got around to. And we kind of we kind of see for the first time how Finn has been feeling the all these seasons in this show, feeling like the like, like the brother that maybe he thought he wasn't, you know, trusted by Tommy to, you know, handle things. I might have an unpopular opinion here. Um, and I think a lot of people are going to presume that, that Finn's going to go in this season. It just kind of feels like the buildup, but I don't feel attached to him. I, I don't, I don't know. It's just, if he dies, it's not going to be like a John death or a grace death. And, uh, and, and when I get your reaction here too, I want to throw in a little bit of a fun fact found out online that the Arthur that plays Finn, Harry Curtin, who's been around since he was 13, joined in season two. He still works at this small coffee shop in a cafeteria in London Shoreditch. So he's still serving coffee. How about no that? No way. Oh, dude, we got we got we got to go on a trip. We got to go on a trip and buy some coffee from Finn. That's awesome. Wow. 
Yeah, but I don't know. I mean, we could save it a little bit more for predictions and winners and losers because I have a feeling we'll talk more about Finn. But I've got a bad feeling about our boy here. Yeah, I don't. I don't know. It. I agree that it. It wouldn't. It wouldn't. You know, shake the core as much as a Grace or a John or an almost Arthur death. But I would still, you know, feel something. I. I feel like you know it, it would shake the core of the family. Like they're trying to save Finn. They want Finn out of this life. They want him to set the example going forward that they're not here for sporting. So it, I think it would shake a lot of things up within the show for sure. And while we're talking about you know the actors playing the characters, you ready to meet Gina? Do you want to meet the 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 American? I'm I'm ready. Her name is Anya Taylor Joy. You ready for this? She was born in 1996. She's 23. In Miami, Florida. Oh, baby. The 305, both Josh and I are from South Florida, so that's awesome to see. She also has had a few credits. She played, did you ever see those M. Night Shyamalan movies, Split or Glass? M. Night Night Shyamalan. Yeah, remember those movies with like the kind of superhero, but also like the messed up um, schizophrenia guy who was in the Mm -hmm. uh, X-Men movies? She plays that main girl, Casey, Casey Cross or something. In that movie, Split and Glass. So that's a little a little reference for Anya. She has Argentine and United Kingdom citizenship. All right. Interesting. She's a she's she's got a lot of tools in the in the arsenal. Okay. So now now I think we can get we can get to our new character. One of the two new characters. One we can quickly go over, and that's Captain Swing. Pretty good looking woman. The one who kidnapped Michael as a part of the IRA. And the weird thing when she talked to Tommy on the phone. She said, once we've heard you're switching over to socialism, you're on the side of the angels, which instantly should connect everyone to that first episode and the sign letter in the first scene from the angels of retribution, who we thought were going to be the villains and might still be the villains. But now it, maybe it's not that Chinese gang that, uh, that you know, Ab- Abraham of gold went and killed with Finn and, and Isaiah because I went back to the first episode, Josh, and I wrote down the letter that Arthur read to Tommy on the phone in the first scene, and it's this is what it was. Quote, We can't give you the assurance you're asking for. We expect payment in full. And then this is Arthur's favorite part. We have never even heard of you people sign the Angels of Retribution. So, I mean, and then they went and killed the Chinese because of it. So it's kind of, maybe it's the Irish, maybe it's the Scottish, maybe it's the Billy Boys. I have no idea who the Angels of Retribution are. Waiting for this to definitely, you know, play out where we can understand it in full. But the angels, angels of Rep, of retribution, just has like a a ring and a very intimidating sound to it, and I'm I'm interested to see exactly what it's gonna play into. But it's definitely something that Tommy's gonna have to pay attention to, and he's definitely paying attention to right now. And there's just so much going on with Tommy. He's got his hand, he's got his 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 feet dipped into so many different uh into into plots and different people and groups. But I will say, I am. I'm I'm a lot more happy that we have the IRA and people from Belfast involved again because I was getting a little tired of, you know, the Russians, the Italians and all these other, you know, demographics and I'm glad that it's more, you know, on on UK soil a little bit, you know? That's an interesting one. What what's weird is that I can't find there's no credit on IMDb for Captain Swing. So maybe she's got mm. a different name that we haven't learned yet. IMDb is an interesting one here, Josh, because I did a little bit of research, and now we can talk about the Billy Boys, and we can talk about our newest villain. His name is Jimmy McCavern. 
and it sounds like he is going to be maybe the most ruthless antagonist in the show's history. The actor's name is Brian Gleason. He's been in a few movies such as uh, Phantom Thread, that Oscar-nominated film, and uh, Logan Lucky, the uh, NASCAR uh, one with Channing Tatum and Daniel Craig. That was mm. that was a funny movie. But he is the one who ruthlessly beats and kills Bonnie Gold. He shoots his dad, uh, uh, Abraham, Abrahama, Abrahama. I'm never going to get that right. And now we can get to the song. I wrote down the lyrics. You ready? Hello, hello, we are the Billy Boys. Hello, hello, we are the Billy Boys. We're up to our knees in Finian blood. Surrender or you'll die. We are the bright and dairy Billy Boys. And they want to share. They want to share the racetracks with the Peaky Blinders. They want the Cheltenham and Nottingham tracks, and they are not going to stop. This guy is so fucking scary. Legitimately, it's frightening. And I thought, I thought we were gonna, we were gonna see it all. We were gonna see the scary to the scary with Luca Changretta. But no, this guy is frightening. You can hear the crack in, in like the bones and and his strikes. They're not just like you know, they're and it's it's definitely like on purpose. You know, the filmography and the effects they definitely do it to kind of you know make him seem like he's more he's he's tougher. But he's scary. The song was freaky as shit. It felt like it was like a cult coming in to to, to murder somebody. Like it was some like, like some Silence of the Lambs, Hannibal Rising kind of shit, and I don't know, man. This guy seems like he's 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 really tough. I don't know if Tommy's met his match. It was funny because Gold said, "Who are you guys?" And he's like, "Didn't you hear the fucking song?" Yeah, I thought that was hilarious. I thought that was hilarious. Like, and and then before I get into my conspiracy theory dive here, real quick, it's funny because this is the th- song. You know how soccer fans and football fans out in England and all around Europe have a song. Like uh, when the Saints go marching in for Tottenham. Yeah, and like the ole, ole, ole. This is the song, yeah, the one. Billy Boys. That song is the song for Rangers FC in Glasgow, Scotland. Mm. Interesting, interesting. Wow. So that's awesome. And then here it is. IMDb has Brian Gleason, the leader of the Billy Boys, and an actor named Douglas Rankin, who is listed as a Billy Boy in episode one. Has them both in the credits for season five, episode one. So I went and I watched every single scene, Josh, of that first episode, Black Tuesday. And there is only one scene that they can possibly be in. And it leads us into our conversation between Tommy and the bald cop. When the bald cop asked about the death of the journalist and Tommy said it wasn't me. I think it was the Billy Boys, Josh. I really think that that was the scene. We saw two Billy Boys mow down the journalist to try to set up Tommy to take the fall. And if that is true, then brains around the country are going to explode. Okay, so I hear you, and 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 it it, it makes sense, but I don't. That's just like that's just like a ball that Stephen Knight is, is is just hot is like wants to drop and is hiding. Hopefully, we get some more clarity. But as I told you, it looks like Arthur is pulling the trigger. He's the second guy on the left. Same mustache, same really low hat, same same stature and figure. And you think the guy on our right, not not their left, but on our, on our right when we're watching, is is uh, Brian Gleason. Could be. He's listed. There's no other scene in all of episode one that he could be in. And if you look up Brian Gleason on IMDb, he has a credit for both episode one and episode two. And it makes sense because it felt very uncharacteristic for Tommy to just blow up this guy that he just had this long conversation. He blackmailed the journalist, why would he then go kill him? It doesn't make any sense. 
No, it definitely makes sense in the fact that they want to frame Tommy. For a second, I was like, why would they want to help Tommy since Tommy definitely was about having this guy die because the guy was on his case. But it's that's a that's we haven't really seen those those hidden tricks from Stephen Knight yet. You know, those things where you have to kind of read and, you know, theorize and make theories. So that's a good observation. But I'm hoping we get some more clarity because I'm tripping out. Let's uh, let's get to our uh, our favorite quotes from the episode. I'm going to start off with the two big ones that uh, that Tommy laid out in this in this season, basically lining up. And the first one is him talking to Ada. Tommy says, quote, I am talking about an empty chair, my chair, my throne. People thinking I'm going to fall. They start behaving in a different way around you. Linda, she wants some for Arthur. Abrahama, gold, people in the north. Michael, when I sleep, I dream and someone wants my crown and it might be Michael. And that just gives you like Game of Thrones, mad Daenerys Targaryen vibes to the max. I thought the same thing. I'm like, this is Peaky Thrones. And you've been saying Peaky Thrones throughout all four seasons, Peaky Thrones. And it's really Peaky Thrones. And if there was a theme of this episode, in one word, I would say paranoia. Tommy is paranoid as shit about people taking his 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 throne. And I mean, he is he's going off the rails a little bit, man. But that was also that was a great quote. And then that leads me right into the other one, his conversation with Polly, when he says, a black cat dream means there is a traitor close by. Basically teaching us, the viewers, because we didn't really, we don't really connect that too much. A black cat just means bad luck for us, but obviously for the gypsies, it connects you with a traitor. And he says, Polly, you're the one who told me that. And Polly says, correcting him, black cat can mean a lot of things. It can mean you're hurting yourself, betraying yourself. Quote, are you seeing things, Thomas? So even Polly is a little, uh, a little hesitant because you could see that even Polly sides with Michael when he gets off the train. And when she asks, are you seeing things, Thomas? He goes, I am. I'm seeing things very fucking clearly coming in every direction. And it's such a great response because he is. He's seeing things almost too clearly. Very, 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 very clearly because he's becoming paranoid because he's seeing things way too clearly. And I don't, you, you think that there's a, that there's a traitor. But I also told you that I think Polly's other part where he, uh, of that quote when she says that you're being too hard on yourself, I think that could be it in leading to that paranoia, that he's being way too hard on himself. Well, that leads us right into the final act of Stephen Knight's second episode. And I think this is going to go right into your favorite quote that you texted me about because we see the scene with Linda and Arthur. Linda and Lizzie have been scheming together. Lizzie's been staying with Linda with Ruby and Arthur, and they've been talking about all these things. Linda writes Arthur a letter that he throws away. Lizzie writes Tommy a letter that he reads and then throws away. And it looks like Linda may be leaving Arthur because she said, you know, I had to write two letters. Brings us right into what is probably the deepest monologue of the season so far from from Tommy. Talking about his PTSD, talking about how he wants to write a letter to Lizzie, but he can't write it, right? He, he, He can't think of anything. He says, they have it. He goes, you want me to write this down? You want, me, you, want, you want me to write all this down? Well, I can't, because they haven't invented the fucking words. And I was, love that. I love that so much, because it's true. You, Lizzie and Linda, stay the F out of it. You guys don't know it. You guys don't get it. So you're never going to get it. There, there's, there's no explanation to what goes on in this life. I wish we had a button like radio shows do. I would press the Savage button, because that's going to lead into maybe 
the the most <laughs> I don't know the most inappropriate the meanest thing said in the history of the show when Tommy looks at Lizzie after going on the rant about the war and seeing all the bodies and the blood and she snaps back at him and she says you know I'm gonna take over this whole company when you're dead you better leave me something and he goes in my mind I still pay you for it oh fuck such a savage like legitimately such a savage the mother of his child it's it i mean i've caught thought all along like there's zero there's absolutely zero love and affection towards lizzie from tommy it's kind of like a a contract for the child really i think i think she's just there for him she's just always been there for him so she's almost like his you know how like you know, CEOs just love their assistant just in a different way than they love their, their wives. She has always just felt like that. She's but she's the perfect mistress. She is not meant to be his right-hand woman. And that's why May might come back. Jesse Eden's still in the mix. Tommy's got some love interests that are I still floating that. around. Because before we get to the gold and uh, Johnny Dog scene, I do want to touch on the conversation with Tommy, Ada, and Oswald Mosley. Wild scene. There's not too much aside from that in the Scotland-Ireland debate. That's where we really get into it because Mosley says we have a mutual friend and it's May fucking Carlton. So you know May is coming back. She has to. And Josh, May makes an awesome reference to what being with Tommy is like. I could picture May literally saying what Mosley says when he goes, Oh, I asked May about you. And her response was, My goodness, where do I start? Could you imagine just May and her like, oh my, what do I even start? And he, she compared it to a three-day freaking binger where she doesn't remember a thing filled with what, cocaine and champagne and partying. And then Ada goes, oh, only three days? And I loved that line. <laughs> yeah, and then also in that scene when Ada, when Tommy's like, Ada's my political advisor. She advises me on all my decisions. And then Ada goes, and my advice is not to meet Mr. Mosley. I love that. And, and Mosley says, it's because I'm dangerous. Tommy says, no. And we then learn what, what I gave the history lesson last episode. Ada says that she hears Oswald is leaving the Labor Party and moving towards fascist, fascism because the real life, you know, Oswald Mosley did that. He became a fascist. He created his own party, the new party. And then he was, you know, banned from England. And, and he says, you know, Tommy, I loved your line in there about, you know, we are the people and we have had enough. And Tommy says, I am my own revolution. And that's when... Everyone who didn't quite follow, like I didn't quite follow the whole Ireland thing in the first half of the episode, Mosley lays it out for us. Sam Chafin says, I want a dialogue with Belfast. Are you going to side with Ireland? Or are you going to side with Scotland? We are going to offer you a promotion. So he's offering Tommy a promotion to junior minister to the Duchy of Lancaster. And uh, so Tommy's got to think about that now. And Tommy Shelby says, Birmingham is my concern. Ireland bores me. And walks away. Sips, sips his whiskey and walks away. Love, I, I just love that. Like, this man, I'm waiting for him to have nothing to say. I'm waiting for the one moment. But he's always got something. You know, it felt like that final scene. And we can get to the final scene now where Abraham Gold pulls up. He's beaten the shit out of poor Johnny Dogs because this is why I feel there has to be a traitor. No one else knew where Gold's people were. Someone had to have known. I don't think Johnny Dogs ratted on him. Poor Johnny's my loser of the episode. He's he's been such a such a badass. He's been awesome, but he gets like his ribs broken in by this one-armed guy. Lizzie comes out and probably saves Tommy's life. Comes out with the gun. It looks like gold. It might be might be done. 
Tommy's got nothing to say here. Tommy, this is it. Tommy has nothing to say to Gold. 100%. And then finally, after Lizzie comes out with the gun scaring everyone, Tommy then starts to formulate a, a conversation with, with, uh, with Littlefinger, with uh, Aiden Gillen, and he says, you know, you can't avenge your son with one arm. We have to get your arm fixed. And that's probably the only nit that I have to pick this episode. It's been a perfect episode. But how has Gold been able to, you know, make that drive? How how is he not like dead or dying? He got shot right in the chest. So 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 you're the uh, the finale of Game of Thrones who was pissed off that Jamie Lannister was able to get into King's Landing. Right. It's the same. It's the same stabbed thing. And then he beats times. up my guy Johnny Dogs. Yeah. Well, Tommy did reference that if he didn't get an ambulance ASAP, he was going to lose an arm. So he kind of like, you know, identified that. But I agree. Lizzie comes in, saves the day. And my favorite line in the show of the episode is after Johnny Dogs grabs his shirt and he goes, I didn't do anything, Tommy. And he goes, out of all people in this world, you are the only one I could trust. And boom. It's true. It's really true. Tommy can trust no one. And it, it's it's this paranoia and this black cat theme of the episode. And it just ties in perfectly, which is why I think paranoia is the perfect theme of this episode. And that was the final phrase of the episode. And then Red Right Hand kicked in for the first time to boot, the first time in the episode that we heard the theme song. And so as we uh, as we kind of wrap this this instant reaction up, I do want to add one more thing before we get to our winners and losers in the very beginning, we saw the letter on the Scarecrow, and we've heard this phrase before, so I Googled it, and it said Thomas Shelby OBE, remember? And they've said, oh, you're Thomas Shelby OBE, and Right. not many people outside of England may know what that is. OBE stands for Officer of the British Empire, and it's an honorable title granted by the monarch, by the king, to an exemplary member of the British society, and someone who has had a, quote, major local role in any activity. And obviously helping out Churchill in the first few seasons has granted Tommy to be the OBE. And obviously, Jimmy and the Billy Boys are a little jealous of the amount of uh, rising to the throne Tommy has had. And they want some. So now, before we get to our uh, winners and losers, we can kind of throw a prediction or two out there. I I think we might have seen Tommy meet his match. I think this is going to be something where every single season we see Tommy try to negotiate, I think maybe here he might really negotiate with these guys because he's not fighting against Americans. He's not fighting against the London guys anymore. Now it feels like these are guys of his own cloth. They're, they're, own, they're a razor gang, Josh. And we see Tommy throw coins to little kids. I'm not sure this won't be a situation where Tommy tries to go a little political. But besides that, I have no idea what's going to happen in this season, prediction-wise. Well, who do you think the, the mule is? The mole? <laughs> I mean, the, the, the mole, the mole, well, sorry. Who do you think the mole is? I, I don't know. I just, I think it could be Linda. You know, we talked about her being a villain, but I don't, I don't really know. I think Paul is too predictable because she's always been doing this shit. I think it's a little too predictable. And I believe Michael. So, I mean, it's Linda or it's someone that we just don't know, in my opinion. Yeah, Linda knew a lot in her conversation with Arthur. She seemed to basically lay out all of Tommy's skeletons in his closet out loud, and I felt like that wasn't an accident. And and that was an ugly scene. I was that was ugly. I was cringing at the. I thought Arthur was gonna beat her. Right when he's like, "What?" He's like, "What?" He's like, "What do you know? You you know what I'll tell you. You are going to be a good wife." And I was just like, "This is." And he starts kissing her, and he's like, "We're gonna go upstairs, and we're gonna we're gonna have sex," and she's not into it. 
it's just it was very uncomfortable and I thought I thought it was gonna go very very downhill after that because he was also infuriated that she threw his coke and 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 booze down the lavatory she he was he was heated he was triggered so now do you have any more predictions before we get to winners and losers my prediction is that it's going to get ugly for for Tommy and the family with the Billy Boys, and they're going to have to get into the sporting. And I think that it was intentional that Stephen Knight keeps on emphasizing that the Peaky Blinders, all the Shelbys are going to stay out of the sporting business. But I think they're going to have to get into it, and I think, and I think they're going to. They're, eventually, we're going to get into this face off between the Billy Boys and and the Shelbys. Okay, I have two here. And as much as I want Michael to get back into the good graces, I have a bad feeling that he's going he's gonna to turn on the other side. And I think it's going to start when Tommy fucks his wife. That is just my call. Just a gut feeling. There was a little look there. Tommy's getting bored with Lizzie. I don't know. I feel like Gina's just the perfect type. She kind of looks like a young Grace. That's a hot take. That's a hot take. But uh, definitely, uh, definitely could come to fruition. There's nothing to, there's nothing to rule out with Tommy fucking Shelby. And then the other little comment that I have here is, is from my conspiracy theory. I think that we're going to learn soon that it was the Billy Boys that killed Levitt. And I still think that the cops are going to pursue Tommy for, for it. And Tommy's going to have to you know, talk to his guys saying, did we do this? And we're going to find out that they didn't do it. And my you know, investigative work is going to uh, come to fruition. But that's something that you know we might learn next week or next. The next episode, episode three, is going to come out Sunday night, so we'll get the uh, instant reaction, you know, Monday or Tuesday for that. And uh, and so I guess we can go winners and losers here. Um, I talked about my loser. My loser's Johnny Dogs. Poor guy, just got you know beat for no reason. Poor Johnny Dogs, man. He doesn't deserve that. But Spin Zone, I think he could be a winner for getting the vote of confidence from Tommy. I mean, that's a big, big stamp of approval. But he definitely got the shit beat out of him, man. How about your loser? My loser is Bonnie. R.I.P. Bonnie. Goodbye, Bonnie. Let's uh, have a moment of silence and thoughts, thoughts and prayers to the Gold family. We lost Bonnie. We lost a real one. I'm, we, we saw him at his peak in the David versus Goliath match. Great boxer. We're going to miss Bonnie. An, an undeserving death. And then your winner. My winner is going to be Finn. Took a step. He took that step. I'm starting him in my fantasy lineup at quarterback, as I said. I think he really took a big step. And we saw in that scene at the at, at the garrison with uh, Billy Grand was his name. Billy Grand, the, the uh, guy who's going to fix the matches for them. It was Billy Grade. Billy Grade, Billy Grade. We, we saw him take charge and tell him, you're you're gonna do this. Listen to me. This is how it's gonna be done. When Arthur tells him to uh, state the uh, the nature of the proposition, and he he tells him tells him to what he tell him to like give coke like Tokyo and cocaine to all the goalkeepers for all the soccer teams. He compared it. He basically said no. He said if you if you want to fix a horse race, you give him cocaine. If you want to fix a soccer or football match, you give the goalie twenty pounds. So he had him write down the phone numbers of every single star player on every single team so they could obviously intimidate their family and blackmail him, and that's just how it all starts. All right, yeah, that, that went over my head then because I thought it was like a literal interpretation. I thought he was like getting all the goalies coked up and they were going to just perform badly. But yeah, so he takes a step and he says, you're a peaky blinder now with confidence. Confidence. He speaks with confidence and bravado. So it's the first time we see that bravado from Finn. So 
I'm going to say he's my winner, but I really hope that I don't, like, you know, grow this attachment towards Finn and we just lose him. Yeah, and I like that he's going to wear the bullet around his, his neck. You know, Tommy said in the last episode that he still has his first, obviously, um, I don't believe that, that Finn is done getting into uh, mischief, but if he thinks he's a general, hopefully he'll start to do general things. And my winner is going to be the director, Anthony Byrne, because the cinematography in this season, in this episode, is unreal, okay? How about the scene when Lizzie says it's Ruby's birthday, and Tommy doesn't really say if he's going to show up to the candle lighting and the birthday cake, and then we see Ruby blowing out the candle, Tommy's not that there, and then Ruby moves, and Tommy's there, so he's there, but in spirit, he's not there, he's not even paying attention. Holy shit, what outstanding cinematography. It was insane. It was insane. I, we haven't really seen, that was like the first time we've seen that, like, it was like, boom, oh, I was shocked. I was shocked, because, I mean, he forgot his own daughter's birthday, man. So sad. And then one little correction here. I did find the actress's name that's playing Captain Swing. The uh, IRA woman who uh, called Tommy in the beginning. Her name is Charlene McKenna. So she could be a formidable force either for or against the blinders. I have a feeling they're going to have to side with someone here. They can't just stay neutral. They're either going to have to go pro-Irish or pro-Scottish. We may even get another Winston Churchill sighting because he was mentioned in the first episode losing money, maybe he's going to have to reach back out and use Tommy as a soldier in the battlefields once again. So, you know, wrapping up this uh, this instant reaction, do you have any more comments that you didn't get to in this uh, in the 40-ish minutes? There was another aspect. Of, it's not, like, super important, but just something that I kind of jumped a little bit was when uh, Ada and Tommy were talking to Mr. Mosley, and they ask him what he's impatient for, and he slams the table and says, I'm impatient for my fucking whiskey. And I was like, Jesus. So, like, we see this really mild-mannered guy, and we got a little glimpse of what possibly he could kind of be like in his short temper. So just something to keep in mind because we're, we're getting introduced to this character more and more. And as Tommy keeps on, you know, mouthing off and scoffing at all of his questions and his, and his comments – we could see him lose lose his mind a little bit because the guy seems nuts. So yeah, once again, you know, you guys feel free to reach out to us with your feedback, with your predictions, with your answers to our questions or corrections to anything we made a mistake on. Comment us on Facebook at uh, facebook.com slash Peaky Podcast, on Twitter at By Order of Peaky, or email us at B-O-O-T Peaky Blinders at gmail.com. And we will give you a shout out like we did in each of our episodes of anyone who has been commenting about what we're doing here. We're just trying to have some fun. Once again, these are not really scripted episodes here. These aren't like our rewatches. Josh and I are just going off the cuff on this fantastic episode. Maybe the best episode, maybe my probably my favorite episode that's not a finale since we met Michael and Alfie in season two, episode two. That was a fantastic setup episode. This was just a crazy episode because there wasn't a huge climax at the end. And instead, all the climaxes were throughout the entire episode. As uh, as we are going to sign out here, and we are going to be back for episode three of season five. We're going to continue our rewatch as well, posting you know season two, three, four for everyone doing the rewatch and uh, trying to catch up to season five or rewatching with season five because it's cool to go back and see everything. And so he's Josh, I'm Daniel, and we binge so you don't have to. Past the stack 
On a gathering storm comes a tall, handsome man in a dusty black coat with a red right hand. Hey! 